Thanks, boys. Just so everyone knows, peace of mind, there's nobody in here, okay? It's empty. Shout out to Bryn for building me this. It's not donated from Rose Hills or Joe. This is from Bryn. So thank you, Bryn. Um, well, I guess we can start off by saying welcome Pastor Carl and Sister Bonnie back in the house this morning, back from their vacation. Um, I know that my mom and dad, like, okay, so last week Drew got up here, right? And he's like, you know, my parents are on vacation. There's no way they're watching me. Well, if any of you grew up knowing me and my brother are like two completely different people, I'm the cocky one. And I know for a fact, mom and dad are watching me right now on the live stream. So everyone could turn a wave. Hi, Pastor Adam, Pastor Kerry. Hi, we can't wait till you get back. Yeah, love you, mom. Love you, dad. Okay, one more person need a shout out because I know that she probably took her break at work right now just so she could see me for a little bit while she's at work is my wife. And I love her so much. She's amazing. Best supporter. Numero uno for me. I love her. So... And I can guarantee you, Pastor Adam and Kerry are like itching to get back into the building, okay? And I was kind of sharing a little bit with our 8.30 service this morning, like why it is that we feel that way. And you know, I was out for a Sunday service and uh, um, Drew and Lisa was, were also out and now my grandparents are back, so they missed a couple. My, my parents are missing more than that. And I'm telling you right now, we genuinely miss it. And a lot of times we've, we've told people that, like, no, we missed being here. We missed being around everybody. And they're like, yeah, right. No way. You were on a beach. You were relaxing. You weren't thinking about us. You weren't thinking about being here. But that is completely false. And I want to tell you why. This is the kind of the encouragement that I got this morning when I was reading over my message. And I want to tell you this. Be a yes person. Okay? Be a yes person. Say yes and be positive to whatever opportunity that God presents to you, okay, to serve. Because that's what causes you to miss being at churches because there's something internal missing when you're not doing what God has called you to do and that's to serve. So it doesn't matter where you're at, doesn't matter what you're doing, could be the coolest, most exciting, most fun thing you've ever done in your life. If you're not here, something is missing and you can feel it. So be a yes person. Are you encouraged already? Please. Yeah, I'm encouraged, okay. So ghost stories. How many of you guys have enjoyed this theme so far? I like it. I like that we have like the Halloween, like spooky, scary vibe kind of going on with the theme, even though like I don't leave here terrified on Sunday after church. Before we go any further, we need to crush a bug, all right? The Dallas Cowboys have a bye week, people, okay? Chargers, bye week, which means you don't even have to worry about a game. Now, if you're a Raider fan, it's okay. You're gonna be out of here in plenty of time, okay? Believe me, I'm not one to speak for forever. You're gonna be out here in plenty of time to even get lunch before the game starts and then kick your feet up on the coffee table and watch the game, all right? So now that that's out of your head, don't even think about the game because you're gonna be there. Does everyone understand? Okay, go Browns, by the way. Woo, okay. So ghost stories, spooky theme, you know, kind of scary vibe. Guess what I'm talking about today? Zombies. Who's ready? Who's ready to hear about zombies? We're talking about zombies this morning. And zombies, ghost stories, scary stories. This morning, we're talking about zombies. And there's a lot of zombie stories in the Bible because Jesus had a knack for raising people from the dead, okay? Jesus had a knack for raising people from the dead. And one day, you and me, every single person in this room, we're all gonna be zombies. We are, because it says in John 5, 28, don't be surprised, all the dead people in the world are going to hear my voice and come to life again. So yes, one day, every single one of us, we're all gonna be zombies. And when Jesus, like, you think about the story of Lazarus, like when Jesus told them, open the door to Lazarus' tomb, open up the door, everyone was like, no, don't do that. 
He's been dead for like four days. He's gonna stink. It'd be bad for everybody if you rolled that stone away. Like, don't open the tomb. And I wanna tell you today that when Jesus raises you from the dead, we're not those kinds of zombies that wake up and we're like starving for human flesh and we're oozing and we're gross and decaying. No, when Jesus raises you from the dead, you are vibrant full of life, restored, redeemed, refreshed. How many people in this room can lift up a shot and say, I have been raised to, de- raised to life from the dead life that I used to live? Come on. So yes, this right here, this is it's completely empty, but there is something in it. It's the sin of the life I lived before I met Jesus. And so if, you, if, you, if you're excited this morning, if you think God can touch you, I want to encourage you, lean in this morning. I believe God wants to speak to you. It's not going to be long, but I am telling you right now, it is gonna, I'm going to pound you with information and the amount of time that I have. So Lord, I declare to, this morning that we would leave here as a people without limitations, that we would be a people encouraged to push through our boundaries. And I declare that we would see our worth in a new perspective, in your perspective. And I declare that when we leave this building this morning, that we would take you with us. Let's lean in this morning, expect to hear from God. I know that he wants to speak to us today. You excited? Tell your neighbor you're excited. Yeah, I'd like to hear that. Okay, tell your neighbor you're excited. So I'm gonna start off my message this morning reading one of my most all-time favorite stories in the Bible. It's gonna be on the screen. I just want you to to really pay attention and, and read it with me. It says this. Soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain, and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son, and a large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Do not cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin, and he touched it, and the bearers stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Great fear swept the crowd, and they praised God, saying, A mighty prophet has risen among us. And God has visited his people today. And the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside. Today, I'm preaching on what happens when Jesus touches your coffin or when Jesus touches your box. And by definition, a box is an often small compartment or an enclosure with a lid on it. And a synonym for the word box is a casket or a coffin. So let's break down the story. So here's a woman. She's a widow who has already previously lost her husband and is now dealing with tremendous grief over the loss and, uh, and sadness over her, her only heir son. And she's not only grieving the loss of a son, she's, she's lost a leader, she's lost a provider, a source of income, she's lost security, she's lost protection. These days were a completely male-dominated society, and the, and the last male in her family had just died. So as she's on her way to the graveyard to bury him, she has a large group with her, probably friends, family, relatives, maybe coworkers or neighbors, all people who may have known her son, all people who were probably close to him, and everyone in this group is grieving, mourning, probably crying. It's a very sad and dark setting, you can, if you can imagine, just gloomy, sad setting, probably not something that is, is very, very exciting. And so you have this group walking in one direction, carrying the coffin of the boy, The only person, again, that could take care of the widowed mother in that male-dominated society, and they're going to the funeral to bury him. And then, in the story, coming from the opposite direction, on the same road, is Jesus. And the Bible says that he also had a large crowd with him, and they're singing, but they're not singing sad songs of mourning. They're singing songs of praise, songs of worship. 
And I believe that Jesus and his disciples may have just participated in a, in a, a worship service or maybe a healing service or some people that are following them just may have seen Jesus do something spectacular, miraculous, and, and they're excited. They're celebrating. They're worshiping God in the middle of the streets. They're singing out songs of praise. I can imagine someone saying, I was once blind, but now I see. I was once crippled, but now I can walk. I was once lost, but now I'm found because of the power of Jesus. So you, you, you probably, you can see this now that you see on one side of the road, there's this, this exciting, passionate, powerful worship experience going down the road. And then on the opposite side of the road, you have this sad, dark, gloomy, emotional setting, and the two are about to collide. And I love what Jesus did when they collided. He turned to the mother who was crying, and he said, do not cry over your child. And I believe that this morning, Jesus wants to collide with the sadness and the sad songs and the sad stories and the sad episodes of your life, and he wants his praise to overcome your sadness. And I love the fact that Jesus said to her, stop your crying. And I'm here to tell you today, don't cry anymore over what you think is finished in your life. Don't cry over anymore over what you think can't be fixed or can't be healed or can't be saved. Don't cry anymore over what you think is finished in your life. And so when Jesus walked over, he didn't do what everyone was probably expecting him to do. He didn't go open the coffin and lay his hands on the boy. No, he doesn't touch the dead boy, he touches the coffin. He touches the box. He touched the one thing that had the boy trapped, the one thing that had the boy enclosed, and when he touched it, the boy sat up and he began to speak. He said, weep not, and when he touched it, the boy rose up and he began to say something. What did he say? Well, the Bible's not very specific on what he said. It just says that he spoke. So what I did is I went in and did some research, and I'm gonna tell you exactly what I think he may have said. Is that okay? Bear with me? Okay. So back in biblical days, in New Testament, it was common that after the last male in the family had died and there was no heir for him, that the men in the community, neighbors, friends, relatives, whatever, that they, would, they would come into the home and they would take his clothes. Weird, okay, they would take his clothes. And in such a male-dominated society where men's clothes was always needed, you know, men are the workers, men are the providers, men are the people who go out every day so their clothes for them were, were extremely valuable. It wasn't like today where it's like, there's a hole in my shirt, I'm gonna run down to Target real quick and grab a new one. It, doesn't, it didn't happen like that back then. Clothes were valuable, they had to be made, they had to be sewn, they had to, there, was a, there was a huge process for somebody to get clothes. So when the last male in a family would die and his clothes were no longer needed, the men in the community, people that they may have known, would go into the home and take the clothes for themselves and as a sign of respect, they would wear it to the funeral. Look it up. The men would wear it in the funeral. So here we are, the boy's dead, his drawers are empty, his closet's empty, and there, there's a funeral going on, and all these people that are carrying this boy down the road, they're all wearing his stuff, okay? So when Jesus touched the boxer coffin, they had the boy limited, the thing that, was, that had the boy enclosed, the thing that had the boy trapped, when he touched the box and the boy rose up, the boy comes out, he sits up, and he begins to say something. So what do you think he said? I believe that from the elevated position that he was being carried, when he stood up and saw all these people wearing his clothes, he was probably like, hey, dude, that's my shirt. Give me my shirt back. Or, you know, that's my jacket. Why are you wearing my jacket? I want my jacket back. Or, dude, those are my favorite shoes. Give me my shoes back. And so I want to tell you today that when Jesus touches your coffin, you get to tell the enemy to give back what he tried taking from you. 
You get to tell the enemy to give back what he's tried to take from you. So when, you, when Jesus touches your coffin and you bust that door open and, and rise up, you get to say, hey, give me back my joy. Give me back my health. Give me back my dreams. Give me back my calling. Give me back my victory. You do not have to live your life in a box. You don't need to live your life in a box full of limitations because Jesus is here to set you free from it. When Jesus touches your box, you can say to the enemy, I'm taking back what's mine. I'm taking back what you've stolen from me. I'm taking it all back. And you may be listening to me and the enemy may have you in a box currently in your life, a box of addiction, a box of depression, a box of sickness, a box of bitterness. There's all kinds of things that we experience in our life that will cause us to condense ourselves into a box, condense ourselves away from God, to enclose us and stuff us into something that we're not supposed to be meant for. Maybe you've been sad, you've been crying, you've been grieving, but today, you're gonna have a collision with the power of Jesus Christ, and he wants you to know that he is going to touch the box that has been holding you down, and you're gonna rise up, you're gonna come out, and you're gonna get back what has always belonged to you. If you believe it, it's time to say something, because the boy said something when he rose up out of the grave. The boy said something. A coffin is a box. And I believe that the enemy wants to box all of us in. He wants to box in every single one of us. He wants to stuff our dreams into a box. He wants to stuff our God into a box and put a lid on it. The enemy lives to stuff you in a box. The enemy wants to tell you that's as far as you're going. That's as much as you're gonna do. That's as successful as you're gonna be. That's all that you're gonna have. That's as good as life is gonna get for you. The enemy loves to box us in. And so here's the lesson. If you stay in the box long enough, it'll become a coffin. If you stay in the box long enough, it'll become a coffin. And I believe what the enemy wants to do is box God in and box you in into small spaces, into small compartments, and get you to stay there until all your dreams, all your callings, and all your purposes end up dead and your box becomes a coffin. And so in the Old Testament, the presence of God was in a box. It was called the Ark of the Covenant. And they believed that the box that God was in, that was built with man's hands, brought them victory. They had God in a box, and they had a lid on that box. If they had the box, they had victory. If they didn't have the box, they had defeat. And the Old Testament is a book about a God who was in a box called the Ark of the Covenant. But Jeremiah prophesied in Jeremiah chapter 31 that there will come a day when the Lord is among his people. And the New Testament is not a book about a God in a box. The New Testament is a book about God in the flesh. You can picture it in the New Testament. God stepped out of the box, became body and flesh, and Jesus was among his people. That means, ready for this, that means that you don't have to confine God to a church. You don't have to confine God to only certain situations in your life because God is not in a box. God is not in a box. God is out of the box. He will go with you to your house. He will go with you into your schools, into your jobs. He will go with you to, to, he will go with you to the hospital. He will go into you into the deepest, darkest areas of your life. He will go with you anywhere. God is not confined in a box. God's spirit does not only feel good when you're at church, God's spirit can go anywhere with you. You can feel it anywhere. God wants to get out of the box. God is bigger than the box of church. 
He's bigger than the box of bitterness. He's bigger than the, bigger than the box of depression. He's bigger than the box of addiction. And sometimes, like we are, normal people, we box ourselves into these areas in our life that have a hold on us, that have us bound. And sometimes we like to put God in a box because we think that God is like us. I'm gonna put God in a box just for this area of my life. I'm gonna put God in a box when, so I can pull him out just in this area of my life. But the truth is God is not an opinionative God. God is not like us. God doesn't act like us. God doesn't talk like us. God doesn't think like us. God is set apart, he's all by himself. God is not the God of opinions, he's the God of truth. God is not the God of politics. God is not the God of politics. You cannot put God in a box of politics. God is not even American. God is not even an American. We like to think of the United States, one nation under God, like we're the only nation under God, but God came to set all people free to save the entire world. God is not an American. He loves the man in Africa, the man in Mexico, the woman in Canada. God cannot be put in a box of just Elevate Ministries. He's, a, he's, he's alive in all the churches active in Orange County. He's alive in all the hearts of his people who are active in Orange County. We want God to be like us, but God says, I'm all by myself. I'm not getting in your box. You're either with God or you don't get God. Jesus came for the whole world. We're all the body of Christ. We're all the reason for the sacrifice. God is not in a white box. He's not in a black box or a Hispanic box or an Asian box because we are all God's people and we have to get out of the box and be the church that God has called us to be. You know why some people find it hard to worship or hard to feel God when they're worshiping, hard to receive blessing? It's because some people were taught to praise God in a box with a lid on it, unable to receive the full blessing of God in their worship. We like to, like, you know, we, we, we worry about who's around us and who's watching and what we sound like, even though some people, you know, let's just leave it there. We worry, we worry too much about what we sound like or what we look like or, you know, what people are gonna think about us in our worship to where it's, how are you gonna receive the full blessing of God if you're not willing to make that sacrifice? You, you wanna put God in a box and, and say, I'll worship on my own time, not when I'm in front of all these people. But if you could just... Forget about all that. Forget about those, all those limitations that you're putting on yourself and just extend your hands up and pop open the lid of that box and allow God access into your heart. God will bless you. If you could just lift your hands up and pop the lid open and allow the Holy Spirit access, you will be able to experience the amazing blessing that comes from God in worship. And I wanna tell you this right now, worship is not an elevate thing. We like to think a lot of the times, well, I can only worship God if I'm in an Elevate building or if, I, if I'm at an Elevate service, but worship is not an Elevate thing. It's not even a church thing. Worship is a Bible thing. Worship is a Bible thing. If you would just raise your hands up and extend them up to heaven and offer Jesus some praise, he will bless you. It doesn't have to be in this building. It can be anywhere. It can be anywhere. You know what the problem is, is we treat, ready? Okay, I said this before because my grandma laughs at me because she thinks I'm funny. But we like to treat Jesus like he's a jack-in-the-box. Everybody know what that is? Laugh. Laugh, because I'm dying over here. Okay. If anybody, everybody should probably know what a jack-in-the-box is. You know, right? You guys know what that is? We like to treat Jesus like he's a jack-in-the-box. We get discouraged. We go through hard times. We experience some crummy situations in our life. And we say things like, Man, this week was tough. I can't wait to get to church on Sunday. 
I need Pastor Adam to speak directly to me about exactly what I'm experiencing. I need that. I, I need the worship team to play my Get Loud and Rattle again and again and again. And I need, to play, I need them to play my Get Loud just so I could scream my head off over all this stuff that's going through my mind. So we get into this mindset where we're like, oh, we'll crank up the worship on Sunday. We'll crank up the message. You know, we'll be touched. We'll get fired up. And that's kind of how we like to do Jesus. We crank it up. We get the music going like, this is the sound of dry bones rattling. Like, boom, Jesus pops out, right? Jesus pops out. We allow Pastor Adam speaks to us. He touches our heart. We shout a few amens. We enter a call, right? We get some joy. We get some faith. We get fired up. God touches you. God speaks to you. And then after that's all done, we walk through those doors and we stuff God in the box and we put the lid back on it. We start telling ourselves things like, you know what, God, that felt good when I was in church, but that's not going to work in my house. That felt good in church, but it won't work at my school or it won't work at my jobs. It won't work with my family. My, my family has some real problems. And I appreciate that service, but God, I need you to get back in the box and I'll get you when I need you. This is what we tend to do over and over. We take Jesus out of the box and then we put him back into the box. But I want to tell you, Jesus wants to get out of the box and go home with you. Jesus doesn't want to be condensed to the box of Elevate Ministries. Jesus wants to be condensed to the box of your home. He wants to go to the box of your family, go to the box of your, of your jobs. He wants to go everywhere with you because Jesus cannot be in a box. He's bigger than the box that you are putting him in. He's bigger than the limitations that you're putting on him. If the enemy can't get us, to put Jesus back into a box, then he's gonna come back around, he's gonna throw you back into the box. You're gonna hear things from the enemy, he's gonna remind you of the person who you once were, the things that you once did. No matter, for, he's gonna try and get you to forget about the saving grace of Jesus, or what Jesus has brought you from. He's gonna remind you to get back into your box of shame. Get back into your box of failure, get back into your box of depression. Get back into your box of worry. I'm telling you what I believe tonight is it's time to take God out of the box and allow him to take us out of the box. Because when Jesus touches your box, he's bigger than your problems. He's bigger than your situation. He's bigger than your needs. When Jesus touches your box, the box can no longer hold you. Jesus doesn't, he didn't touch the person. He didn't touch the boy. He touched the one thing that was limiting him, the one thing that was holding him down. And Jesus wants to break the power of the box over your life. There is no limit. There is no stopping you from going to where Jesus has called you to go and doing what he's called you to do. But you can't live your life in a box. You have to be willing to allow God to touch it. And I, we get so confused. It's like we, we find comfort here. We get comfortable living, in a, living a life that keeps us boxed in from experiencing the full power of Jesus Christ. We like to stay here because it's comfortable. I'm comfortable in my box. It fits me perfectly. I, I, I don't have to worry about anything going on outside because it fits me good. I'm comfortable here. But the truth is, the longer you stay in the box, the longer you neglect what God can do to set you free from it, sooner or later, it's no longer just going to be a box. It's going to become a coffin. The worship team can come up. You're welcome. Just kidding. Where's your team can come up? I'm going to read another story, um, another one that really spoke to me when I was preparing for this. And it's in Mark chapter 14, verse 3. It says this, Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a, with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard. And she broke open the jar and she poured the perfume 
over Jesus' head. You want to know how you can break the curse of the box, break the limitations of the box over your life? At the feet of Jesus. God sees your past. He knows you have a past. He knows you made mistakes. He knows you've sinned. He knows that you've fallen short. And what caught my attention in this story is she was, this woman was a prostitute. She used that perfume to attract men, to make herself known that she was available in the market so that when anybody would walk by, as soon as they hit them, they knew what she was about. She knew that smell represented her sin. That perfume represented her sin. And so she brought the thing that represented her past, that thing that represented the sin in her life, and she took the box of her sin, she took the box of her past, and she took the box of her limitations, and she broke it at the feet of Jesus. She took what was used to bring shame, and she turned it into worship at the feet of Jesus. And I want to tell you guys today, God knows that you have a past. He knows you've made mistakes. He knows that you've sinned against him. He knows that you've fallen short numerous amounts of times. God knows you have a past, but God sees past your past. And I want to tell you today that there is a cure if life has put you in a box. That when Jesus touches your box, that thing that boxes you in, the thing that's got you in, it has to let you go. And so I didn't want to go any further after sharing this story. I wanted to give somebody an opportunity. You can say, you know what? I've been carrying around this shame. I've been carrying around this sin. I've made mistakes, I've never been in a relationship with God, I'm telling you right now, your opportunity is right here in front of you to take that box, take that box of your sin, take that box that represents the life that you used to live, and this is your opportunity to break that box right here at the feet of Jesus. God wants to change your life. He wants to set you free from the box. He wants to set you free from what's holding you in a life of sin. You, you don't have to live that life. You're not, a lot of people get mistakes like, your failures do not define you. The mistakes, they don't define who you are. God has set you apart. Right now, you're, you're enclosed into something that doesn't define you. You're getting comfortable living that life. I don't know who's in this building that's never encountered a relationship with God, but I know there are people in this building who have experienced living life with a box. And so, let's just, I want everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes. I don't want anybody looking around. I don't want anybody, you know, no wandering eyes. I just want to be in the moment. I want to give somebody an opportunity, whoever it may be. You could say, you know what? I've been holding on to this box of sin. I've been holding on to this life of sin and life of these mistakes that I've made. But I want to be in a relationship with God. I want to break that box. I don't want to be held and limited to the life that I used to live. If that's you and you want to say, you know what? I want to break this box of my sin. I don't want to live this life anymore. I want to be in a relationship with God. I want to be in a relationship with the one person who can set me free from my failures. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand. And... I'm not here to embarrass you. I'm not here to, I don't want to make it known that, that you're stepping out in faith this morning, but if that's you, I just want you to raise your hand. Part of become, being in a relationship with God is believing that he can change your life, and that's taking a step of faith, and you're saying, you know what, I'm, I'm going to raise my hand in boldness, in faith. If that's you, as soon as it goes up, you can just put it back down. Amen. So I'm going to ask you one more thing, because when you read that story about the woman, in Simon's house, I picture her, you know, like kind of standing in the corner. And then when she realizes who Jesus is, what does she do? She gets up out of the corner and she walks to his feet and breaks the sin right there at his feet. And so what I want you to do, I want to give you the opportunity. If you raise your hand, I want you to stand up 
And I want you to take that step of faith and come right up here to the altar. This is where the feet of Jesus is at. And I want you to be willing to say, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to take a step of faith. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to approach the feet of Jesus. I'm going to break this curse over my life. If you raise your hand, I want to encourage you. Come up here. I want to pray with you. I want to lead you into a prayer. If that's you, if you rose your hand, I just want you to come on up here. Take a bold step of faith. Take a bold step of faith. Okay, so listen, I was thinking about this in the last service. What happened? We, we, when we read that first story, we talked about the group that was with Jesus, right? They were celebrating because they just, saw, they just witnessed Jesus doing a miraculous thing. They were excited. They were worshiping God, right? That's exactly what's happening in heaven right now when someone makes a decision to live for God. That same thing we read about in the story, it's happening in heaven right now. Everyone is rejoicing, they're worshiping, they're excited because you guys are making a decision to break that curse over your life and make a decision to live for God. So what I want you to do, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna lead a prayer. I want you to repeat after me. Everyone in this room is gonna do it. We're all gonna do it together. We're all a family. So if you could just repeat after me, say, Lord, I come before you with my past, with my sin, with my mistakes, and I pray right now, Lord God, that you would, you would take it, take, you would lay your hands on my box, Lord God, that you would set me free from it. I know that you died for me to set me free from these limitations. And so, Lord, no longer am I gonna live my life in a box, but I'm gonna live a life for you. I'm gonna live a life that you called me to live. Thank you for your sacrifice. In your name I pray, amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord a shout of praise? Nice to meet you, man. You guys can just, these guys right here, they're going to kind of talk to you a little bit more in this back room. That's awesome. Come on. Everyone in, the, in heaven is worshiping God right now. I want to share another uh, story with you guys real quick. When I, was a, when I was younger, and like we read about Lazarus, right, in the Bible, we read about Lazarus. When in, in Sunday school, Lazarus is a mummy story, all right? That's how it's explained. Like when Lazarus comes out of this tomb, he's wrapped in white linen all the way around his face, his body, and he comes out like this. That's the story of Lazarus when you're in Sunday school. And so when I was younger, um, you know, Sunday school age, I go to my grandparents' house, we'd reenact that story, and I'd kind of hide, hide myself behind the hallway, and I'd allow my grandma to channel her inner deep Jesus voice and just be like, Lazarus, come out. And so then I would walk out of the hallway like this. So once again, we're talking about zombies and Lazarus was technically a zombie, okay? Just remember that. And so I wanna kind of go over this story with you. When Lazarus had died, okay? When Lazarus had died, it said, the Bible says that Jesus was so moved with emotion because he loved Lazarus. How many guys know that Jesus loves you? How many of you guys know that Jesus loves you? When he, when he sees you fall, fall short, when he sees you fall into sin, make a mistake, that same thing happens to God. He's moved with emotion because he loves us, right? And so some of you have been a slave to the box. You've been a slave to what's been, what's been happening with you. And I'm telling you right now, what God wants to do is the same thing that happened to Lazarus. He goes, he says, open the tomb. And they're like, no, 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 don't open it. There's, he's been dead for four days. He's gotta, he's got, there's gotta be a stench by now. It's gonna be awful. Don't open the doors. There's nothing we can do. He's already gone. And a lot of us are living our lives that way. Like we can't open the box because what's done is done. What's done is done. There's nothing that can come out of this. 
And so some of us, we've been a slave to the box. We found comfort in it, thinking there's no way out. There's nothing that we can do. And you're, you're sitting there, you're a slave to addiction. You're a slave to failures. You're a slave to sin, and you're rotting away. You're haunted by your mistakes. And I'm here to tell you today that Jesus wants to open the door of your box. He wants to open the door to your grave and say, it's time to come out. It's time to come out. You don't have to be a slave to sin. You don't have to live your life in a box because I died to set you free from it. John eleven forty three through 44 says, when he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Here's the best part of this story. All the stuff that was holding you hostage, all the stuff that had you wrapped up, all the stuff that had you chained up, you get to take it off, throw it back into the box, and close the lid because it's no longer the life you were living. It's no longer the person that you are because we've been set free and redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And it's the same situation. You look at both of these stories, Lazarus and the widowed woman, you look at both of them, it's the same thing going on. The mother and the sisters at the funerals, sisters at the tomb, both reacting the same way, weeping, mourning, crying, thinking and believing that there's nothing that you can do to stop this from happening. There's nothing you can do to set the boy free from this. But the truth is that when you look at this casket, when you look at what it represents when it's closed, it represents death, it represents tragedy, loneliness, depression, sadness, and mourning. But when you allow Jesus to touch your box, when you allow Jesus to touch the thing that has you enclosed, what has to happen? It has to let you go. It has to let you go. And what happens? What's the new imagery? No longer does this casket represent death, tragedy, and loneliness, and depression, and sadness, because what? It's no longer closed, but it's open. And what does an open casket represent? It op an open casket represents healing, restoration, redemption, freedom, power. That's what happens when you allow God to touch your box. No longer does it represent who you once were. No longer does it represent what you believe is happening in your life, but you've been set free and redeemed and restored. And God, this morning, He wants to set you free from the box. He wants to set you free from the lies. He wants to set you free from all your limitations that you've placed on yourself. And today there is faith, there is joy, there is peace available for you, available for you. So I wanna ask a few questions this morning. First one is this, why are you crying? Why are you crying? God wants to touch you and tell you there's nothing to cry about. Don't cry anymore over what you think is finished in your life. Don't cry anymore over what you think is finished in your life. The second thing is this, I wanna encourage you, you need to allow Jesus to touch your box. Don't get comfortable living that life. Don't get comfortable being limited. Don't be comfortable stuck in a box. Some people are, some people in this room, they've allowed this to happen. They're out of the box, but they came out like Lazarus, all wrapped up in their linens, wrapped up in, 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 the, in their, their grave clothes, in their dead clothes. But I'm telling you right now, it's time to strip all that stuff off, throw it in the box, close the lid because it's no longer who you are because God has called you for something new, something amazing. God has a purpose for your life. So this morning, I want everyone to stand to their feet and I want us to make some declarations to God this morning. Say, you know what, God, I'm not gonna live my life. You know, I'm not gonna live a life full of limitations. I'm not gonna live a life 
so attached to my sin, so attached to my failures, but you know what, God? I'm giving you full access to what has me chained, to what has me burdened, to what has me locked up, Lord God. Set me free this morning, Lord God. Set me free, Lord, we come before you, Lord God. If you feel like you need to come to the altar, I just wanna encourage you to do it. Come to the altar, begin to submit some things to God. Give him the box, break it at his feet, allow him to touch it, do whatever you have to do. Don't live life limited. Lord, we come before you this morning, Lord God. And I pray, Lord God, that you would touch our box, Lord God. Set us free from our box. Set us free from our limitations, Lord. Set us free from our failures. Set us free from our sin, Lord God. Remind us, make it known to us that we're not supposed to live a life of sin, Lord God, because you died to set us free from it, Lord God. That we're not supposed to live a life full of limitations because you died to set us free from those limitations, Lord God. Help us, encourage us to not stuff you into a box, Lord, but to take you with us everywhere we go in everything we experience, Lord God. We would allow you, we would open up the box and allow you out of it, Lord God, to use us, Lord God, and speak to us. Lord, we thank you so much for this opportunity to be here together, Lord God, to hear from you. And I pray, Lord God, that you would continue to touch us. I pray that this message would be translated to all of our friends, Lord God, all of our coworkers, letting them know that they do not have to live a life and bound and enclosed in a box because you have the power to set them free, Lord. We love you. We worship you. Your name we pray. Amen.